Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with award-winning filmmaker Melody Miller and executive producer Elizabeth Montgomery on the film Ruth Weiss, The Beat Goddess. This film tells the story of one of the most influential voices in poetry and the beat movement. They talk about their momentous film, foundation work, and so much more. Enjoy this story. A minute out, and to kind of keep everything in context here, kind of introduce yourself and your role so everybody okay. knows who you are as we kind of interchange. Thank you. Um, yes, I'll go first. My name's Elizabeth Montgomery, and I'm the producer of Ruth Weiss, The Beat Goddess, which is a documentary film about a poet who uh, lived during, from the 19, late 1920s uh, through 2020. And, and she uh, had a remarkable life as a poet, and I'll let the director, cinematographer, uh, speak for her work with the program. All right. So uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, my name is Melody Miller, and I'm the director of Ruth Wise, the Beat Goddess documentary. And uh, we started working on the film in 2016 when Elizabeth invited me to uh, one of her concerts at the Monroe. And uh, I, I went there, and I didn't know what to expect. Uh, there was a saxophone player, Rent Ramos, on the stage. There was a, a bass player, Doug O'Connor, and there was a, a man on the log named Hal. And they were all jamming together. And uh, out walks this gorgeous woman in her 80s with teal hair and crystals on her head and a dragon necklace. And uh, she starts uh, reading her poetry. She had, like, this husky um, German accent, uh, but, like, deep. Uh, because she, she smokes a lot, so her, her voice was, uh, very, <laughs> like, when she spoke, it, it kind of gave you chills to your bones. It, it was, it was so low that it was almost like an instrument of itself. And, uh, she started, uh, telling different poems, uh, about her life stories or poems that kind of related to your own life and, like, meanings in life. And I was just blown away by her that I needed to know who she was and, <laughs> and uh, make a film about her. And so uh, Elizabeth and I took a road trip up to Albion in, uh, near Mendocino in the Redwood Forest, where she lived in kind of like a hobbit house, but it was the arts house. And, uh, and uh, she, she had, like, no uh, connection to the Internet and no connection to, uh, like, broadcast TV. She would only, like, watch DVDs and uh, read books and listen to music. And uh, we started uh, recording her story, and of course, she's uh, lived over 90 years, so her story was very long, and we took many road trips up there to see her. We also hung out around San Francisco, where she walked us through uh, North Beach, and uh, she moved there in the 50s uh, when it was booming with art and culture and music and poetry. And uh, she even collaborated with Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy. She was friends with a lot of the big wigs. And uh, she worked as a as a waitress at uh, Minnie's Can Do and uh, the Black Cat, uh, which were huge for jazz performances in the 50s, and also beat poetry. And she was the one behind the scenes who was booking all the musicians and booking all the poets to perform mm -hmm. and getting them paid, and in addition to performing her poetry herself. So she was one of the coordinators 
of helping other musicians and poets like be seen and be heard. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a beautiful journey making the movie. And uh, it came out in 2019, as Elizabeth was saying, at a solo art film festival. And uh, that was magical. We screened at an ancient theater, uh, walked up cobblestone that used to be an old castle. So <laughs> it was definitely a great kickoff to the movie. And uh, it later on went on to uh, getting into several film festivals and winning awards, about 20 different ones. And one of the biggest ones was the Cinequest Film Festival. And on uh, March 8th, 2020, Women's Day, um, they gave Ruth Wise the Maverick Theatre Award, which is their highest honor. And uh, she performed with her band, and mm -hmm. uh, we watched For the movie, the last held time. hands mm -hmm. together. Yeah, and, and we didn't know that that was going to be the, the last time, because then the pandemic hit, and everything was shut down. Um, <laughs> and so that was the... A, a, a very special occasion, and uh, and it, sadly she passed away in uh, on on July thirty first, twenty twenty, of natural causes. Um, mm -hmm. She was ninety two years old, and so in honor of her, uh, Elizabeth and I uh, founded a nonprofit um, that will that gives out annual grants to poets uh, like Ruth Wise who need help either publishing their first book or um, just paying rent. And uh, this year marks our second annual Poetry Awards. And we just closed uh, the submission. And uh, this year we're handing out uh, three awards, one for Maverick Poets, who might be a little more established, uh, one for Emerging Poets, who are just kind of starting out in their career, and uh, one for Youth Poets, uh, who are kids under the age of 18, and uh, they the awards will be given out and the cash prizes uh, in uh, at Writers Con in Oklahoma uh, at the beginning of September. Do you know? Do you remember what day it is, Elizabeth? Is that September? 4th, yeah, it's it? it's September yeah. 4th, and we'll be awarding the poetry winners for the Ruth Weiss Foundation at that time and it'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> a very fun place with lots of history. The Bob Dylan Museum is there, the uh Woody Guthrie Museum is there. And we look forward to showing our um our works and the Beat Mobile is coming from San Francisco to meet us there. And we'll be together talking about uh, writers from the Beat Generation, and also giving our awards for the year. And uh, just a little more context about the Beat Mobile. Uh, so the, the Beat Museum in San Francisco is a historic uh, exhibit of all the amazing Beat poets, including Ruth Wise. And uh, they're doing a road trip across the country in honor of Jack Kerouac's 100-year anniversary. And uh, they have a, a van, and in the van they decked it out with uh, some of, uh, some memorabilia that's easy to travel across country with, and a lot of rare books from beat poets of the time. And so mm -hmm. they're stopping at different cities and doing presentations, and we're collaborating with them on screenings as well. Uh, so we're trying to book screening events of Ruth Wise, the Beat Goddess, when they uh, end up in a city. Uh, and so it's it's like called we're calling it the Beat Week. So if anyone's interested in, in hosting the Beat Week, 
you know, definitely yeah. contact us. Yeah. We would love Kansas City to uh, ho- to host the Beat Mobile and the film, and that would be great. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a pretty hip little uh, art scene here. I think there's a lot of people that probably don't realize that, but we're a pretty good art haven here in Kansas City. Mm. So, um, yes. You know, you, you might want to reach out to uh, maybe start with the Kemper Art Museum, something like mm-hmm. that, um, sure. and, and just kind of, yeah, just kind of probe because we would definitely be uh, a district that would be interested in that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, with, it's from an era that is long, long, far off in the, in the distance. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just not... That lifestyle is not something that you see that much. I think it kind of maybe trickled out over the decades, and especially now, you know, we're in a whole different era. So my question to you is, with someone like this that is from such an era of her age and wisdom and what she did and who she was around, what was the most interesting revelations about how she lived her life and and did it all the way up until the end? Um, I could speak to that. I I think... That is something that we were interested as well because uh, her her personality is what drove the film and drove her poetry and her way of looking at the world. And I think she embodied the values of the beat generation, which often get muddied sometimes because of some of the characters, but it was a generation of tolerance and compassion and uniqueness and they had those as their hallmarks that began to develop their the artwork the freedom of speech the um the collaboration with many art forms the sort of interdisciplinary aspect of it and i think that was very clear in from the very beginning when Ruth was in Chicago at the art circle and she was roommates with Gwendolyn Brooks and great poets and some jazz musicians were hanging out there and they started jamming to her reciting her poetry and that formed her style. So there's a happenstance to her way of finding her path in the world that led to her thinking about magnetizing the things that she wanted in life. And she says this very clearly in the movie. She said, you know, I began to realize that I could be pounding on doors of publishers, but but when I began to use my heart and magnetize what I wanted in the world, this is what happened. And I think being the producer and and watching Melody in the video, I mean, the, the documentary evolve, I felt that that was her her uh, manifestation of her passion and her truth. And so why would young people want to know about her? What is compelling them? There's a lot of themes that go through her life. One is that war is bad for children. And that's why she, she painted, she, she turned her hair green after watching the movie, The Boy with the Green Hair with Dean Stockwell. Great movie. And also... She was avant-garde like Ken Nordine, the great um, jazz orator. Uh, he would, his oratory would go over jazz music. Hers would be jazz musicians playing to her 
uh, her poetry. So those are the several things that are intriguing, and I think young people will are very attracted to it, and they can see the value in her values. Elizabeth, what you said is beautiful and exactly how I felt, too, when I met Ruth Wise when I was in my 20s. I really connected with her, and it became like a friendship. Her age didn't really matter. A lot of the values that she believed in and fought for is what I get to live through today and many other women. And if it wasn't for her and her hard work to get her um, poetry published and to help other musicians and poets to get their work out there, you know, it would have been a very different America today. So is this the first time that a film or a major project has been made featuring her? Is this kind of her introduction into the world, so to speak? Uh, she's been in uh, several, like, smaller productions. She was an actress for a lot of Stephen Arnold movies and uh, very avant-garde in the, in the 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. She uh, was a model in... Uh, a lot of at, at the San Francisco Art Institute, and she she mm-hmm. met lots of painters and mm-hmm. uh, filmmakers, and so she she's acted in movies, and she's also directed her own films in the in the sixties, and uh, and she, you know, sometimes uh, she gets into like really big places, and people know her like she's performed uh, at the Holocaust. Um, in, in in Berlin, they had a, a, a Holocaust Remembrance Day, and she's impor- performed in front of thousands of people with her poetry because she's a survivor of the Holocaust. Um, there, there are also a couple other uh, films that have been made over the years about her, but I didn't feel like they represented her in the way that I could as an artist. And that's the calling of all artists is, like, when you... Uh, find a subject that you're really passionate about and you think about how you could uh, tell the story um, different than other artists can and uh, just have that calling and passion. Uh, she, she, oh, she also, sorry about that. She also um, pub, she published about 15 books and many numerous plays. And so her name was well known, but in terms of a beat generation, poet she was not until there was a scholarly book written called women of the beat by um, brenda knight and that put her back on the map in her 80s and her longevity helped quite a bit because many of the women of the beat had passed away so obviously we're in really divisive dark strange times in this country why do you believe this film would be beneficial for people to understand her story? What kind of change do you think she can continue to make, even though she's not with us anymore, her legacy, so to speak? Um, I, I think I asked her that in in one of the interviews in the in the movie, like kind of what does she hope her poetry brings to other people? And she said that there's so much violence and hate in the world, and she thinks that's because people aren't doing what they were meant to do. They aren't following what's in their heart, their passion, their true calling. They're kind of just going into a job that they don't like, and they hate their lives. They hate everything about it, and she feels that if people start doing more of work that they love, um, whether it be through music and the arts or carpentry or mechanics or, you know, just following that passion, there would be more love and less violence in the world, she felt. 
and that's yeah, and she also point. and she also had a very strong message for the environment in many of her poems, but also in her activism to save whales where she lived, and that was something that she spoke about as well. This year's poetry award is going to poems that are about the ecology, environment, you know, biosphere, and that's also something that will um, will impact what's going on now. So where can people see this film? That's, I think that's one of the big things right now. If people listen to this and they're very interested and they want to see it, how can that happen? Well, uh, it, it's uh, going to be available on Amazon and PDF and iTunes and uh, Plex and Tubi and Hulu and all the all the sites. Uh, and if you, the easiest way to find it, if you go to RuthWiseFilms.com, uh, or if you just Google RuthWise, you'll be able to see all the sites that the movie is on. We're going to be broadcasting on PBS starting in uh, August 27th. And it will be for the next three years. So uh, if you want the movie to be broadcast on your PBS station, definitely contact them and ask for a time. <laughs> and also, I'm uh, going to say, if you wanted to host the screening of the movie, we've partnered with Cinema, um, where you could uh, purchase a license of the film, and you can host a free screening. Or if you wanted to make money for your organization, um, there's also a way where you don't need to license it, and it's a, it's a split fee. And you can sell tickets to the film. And also, um, if, if you want to do it for a fundraiser for your organization to support the arts. So definitely check that out as well. So what was the most enjoyable part of this process? In fact, let's do this. Timeline this for me. From the idea of doing this to completion, how long did it take? And what was the most enjoyable process, enjoyable part of this entire process of making this film? Um, well, we started the film in... Uh, 2016, 16. and then uh, t finished it in 2019, 19. and uh, I think the most enjoyable part of making it was just the friendship with Ruth Wise and the fun memories we created together filming it. Uh, like, she was uh, very collaborative. Uh, we would take time away to do recording or filming. And then we would have time to watch movies together or go out to eat ice cream and pizza and just uh, talk about life and stuff. And, and I think uh, the, the joy of just being able to be around her and have a good time and collaborate on this art. Uh, and then I think the biggest one was just her getting recognition. Um, like the day when she walked on the stage at the Maverick Spirit Award and they, they gave her that huge honor. Um, that was really special for me because that's what we worked towards uh, in making the movie so that people could hear her story, and that, that was a big day. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think uh, for me it's very similar. I was uh, living and working in, in mainland China, so I had to fly back and forth a lot and didn't get as much time with Ruth, but for sure the times where we were able to show her film to friends and family and then the CineQuest and then Melody entered in so many festivals and was getting awards for the movie. That gave a lot of pride to the not only the story for us but also for her because 
she was magnetizing her that recognition that she really wanted at that point in her life. And you could just feel it. It was very infectious, uh, you know, going <laughs> to use a COVID word. Uh, it was very happily infectious where people would just stop her on the street and know who she was and remember and want to be part of who she um, was becoming at that point, which was a new Ruth, more of a sage that was elevating uh, onto the world stage at that point. And I think that made me feel that was the most gratifying for me was to find that she was being recognized for her uh, her long years of talent. You know, I was thinking um, here in Kansas City, I was watching a baseball game with my son last night, and it's uh, the Negro League Hall of Fame is here in Kansas City honoring the Negro League. And Buck O'Neill, you know, there was a big hmm. push for us here in Kansas City for him to get the Hall of Fame before he died. And uh-huh. they didn't accept it. And now they finally did, and he didn't get to see that. And I'm oh, wondering mm-hmm. how gratifying it was for her since she passed in 2020 to see all of this come to fruition. Did you get a sense from her that she felt as though um, she appreciated the validation while she was still here um, based on where she was at in her life? Uh, yeah, I think um, that there's a – we recorded the whole Q&A discussion of when she received that award and got mm-hmm. that recognition. And she she was just – like uh, I think speechless and um, mm-hmm. I remember we we all went back to our Airbnb um, with the other people we interviewed and musicians and friends and like National Geographic came to interview her about her poetry <laughs> of prote- protecting the environment and we were just sitting there holding hands and she's like I need a minute <laughs> and like uh, just taking it all in but I she did say that she was very proud of the movie and mm-hmm. um what we accomplished for her and um that that was i'm so happy that she was able to experience that and see that and see how much people love her even when they Mm -hmm. first meet her and i think that brought her a lot of a lot of joy and us a lot of joy yeah and that's what we're continuing now you know even though she passed away we're helping other poets in her name and um and getting her story out there, and mm-hmm. people are going to remember her. And I, I've been saying um, that the sequel is the is the foundation, and and that that has brought a lot of new things that we didn't know about Ruth to light. Many many stories because we have to explore and write about things, and we're finding new tidbits that weren't in the movie that are coming up and uh, and new ways of interpreting some of the poems that I've read over and over and I never knew what she meant by the term Sephardic Mexican blue. What did that mean? And I end up on a journey talking to a rabbi in Mexico about that. And it's just been a really fascinating thing. She was just beginning uh, in this, I guess, I guess you could call it a transition. Yeah, we uh, we write weekly articles for the foundation about her, and yeah. so if you wanted to read any of those articles of what 
Elizabeth mentioned and how, you know, analyzing her poetry and going through interviews and what we're discovering and, and sharing about her every mm -hmm. week. So talk to me a little bit about how you two came together as a unit and how it worked so well for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> go ahead, Mel. Well, yeah, well, I've, I've known Elizabeth since I was born, we were neighbors, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, I, I was I was baby friends with her daughter. Um, yeah. But as I got older uh, and got into the film industry, Elizabeth was also spent many years in the film industry and shot documentaries. So we started collaborating together, uh, specifically for her uh, camp in China. Uh, in China, Elizabeth like uh, runs schools and creates opportunities for kids uh, to explore, you know, art, literature, and um, music, and, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I got to travel to China several times and document that, and uh, we made over 30 films together, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, when this, this was the first one where it wasn't like a, a kind of short documentary, this was our first uh, feature together, and I'm so grateful and appreciative of for giving me this opportunity to tell Ruth's story and like uh, saying yes to my crazy spontaneous ideas, like uh, <laughs> can I go film a ballerina in the middle of the Mojave Desert? Like, and that that uh, I'm I'm so grateful to you, Elizabeth, and and thank you for believing in in me and believing in the story and uh, oh, yeah. your utmost support. And I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so we've known, yes, I've known Melody since she was a baby. And I think, and my background was in the Chicago Community Film Workshop, which was a radical media that was started for women and minorities in the 70s. Actually, I think it came out under, under, um, Nixon, but it was an interesting path to take. I was doing it kind of adjunct to community development work. And Melody's passion for her first film was about trafficked children. It's just amazing. California's forgotten children. And I saw that, she, you know, our values were always linked, but how much as a young person they began to really consolidate. And then we have that artistic side, too. <laughs> so it's, it was such a pleasure to be at a point in my life where I could actually, you know, over many years, but, you know, produce, this with um, with Melody and I felt total trust in her judgment and her budgeting. She's very good at that and keeping things real and it was just amazing and her cinema cinematography is what makes the film. So what's next? Do you have anything else that you're working on that's on the horizon? <laughs> Mel? <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm starting to scratch the surface of some ideas of the next project. Right now I'm mainly working as a cinematographer, shooting other people's movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I could say it. I, I, I just had a baby, so yeah. uh, I'm focusing <laughs> on the baby. But uh, I'm, I'm meeting lots of other mothers um, and hearing their stories through um, breastfeeding. And um, I think it's really empowering and important for kids to um, breastfeed, and and I, I can see my son growing, and he's 
already walking like one-year-olds and he was only seven months old. So um, I, I know how important it is. So I might do something about that, empowering other women to to see, breastfeed their children. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, it's so wonderful to see. Uh, I'm the godmother. I'm very happy to have that role. It's a big responsibility. Um, I think that means moral training or something. <laughs> so, uh, but the key for me, I, I have a story of um, something that I'd like to do that is from Chicago. It's uh, Dave's Italian Kitchen is a famous restaurant in Evanston, Illinois. And it was it, there. It, it's been around for 50 years and it's one of those kind of quirky, but I could see a short film on it and have it coordinate with a lot of jazz music people who um, people who are here in Chicago who've frequented this establishment <laughs> for many decades, and uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm for that. So hopefully we can get that off the ground. Yeah, and for me being you know kind of a jazz guy here, I'm curious. You know, yeah. the backdrop to the beats, the backdrop to that generation really was the music, and I'm curious your thought on how important was jazz and the development of their ideas, their poetics, their lifestyle, and kind of their overall push for environmental factors and everything that they really kind of were going for. Mel, do you want me to take that, or you do you have ideas on it too? Uh, you could go first while I put together my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, jazz was integral, especially bebop. That would be, I think, the culmination of uh, white people really enjoying jazz music and understanding it and being able to play it and having, because they weren't so much involved with the blues, but it had evolved by then. And then to have the great jazz, uh, uh, outdoor uh, Newport jazz and all the different venues that began to come up in the 50s and 60s and people were very exposed to it. So the writers were, the cadence began to change and they began to have a way of of speaking with word jazz and uh, kind of mimicking the sounds that they were hearing and the way that jazz was maybe asynchronous at times. You know, if I'm thinking of Ornette Coleman or someone like that, as you could get that far radical into asynchronous, or you could be with, they would speak like Stan Getz and those kinds of jazz musicians that were more uh, to an instrument that resonated with the the poets and the writers. And I think that really came out in the way Jack Kerouac wrote and also the way Ruth Weiss wrote. Jack Kerouac was a long and rambling and uh, maybe asynchronous, didn't have punctuation. On the Road was the one of the first books to completely break the genre of novels and so the genre of poetry was beginning to crack as well. And so Ruth loved the haiku, uh, Japanese style, and that's something that she concentrated on with artwork. So again, you know, that, that freedom 
to, I mean, I'm not just a poet, I'm whatever I want to be in this moment with my, my medium as poetry. And I think that jazz contributed to it all, all along the way. Without jazz, life would be very different today. Um, I mean, jazz was a way of people expressing their feelings and um, being able to tell their stories whether it be through sadness or through happiness and, or and joy um, or anger. And um, uh, one of my things that the first place I took my son, the first concert he ever went to as a baby was at Preservation Hall. And he sat front row and, and listened to some of the great jazz music in the world. And um, what, what I love the most about jazz is that it's, it's a collaborative experience. And that could be put into the way we made this movie, um, like working with the jazz musicians, working with our composer and the animator um, and the photographer for the film and Bruce Wise. It, it just, I would say that this film might be its own jazz musical song, a song of itself. Um, and I would recommend you watching it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, are you out in L.A.? Yeah. Is that where you're at? Okay. Um, we, I just actually took a road trip last week, um, and we went through Colorado, down through not quite L.A., but we went down to, to uh, San Diego. And, mm. you know, just oh, being nice. out there is a whole – yeah, it, being out there is a whole different land. And, I, and I'm more connected, I think, to the pangs and the lifestyle that California is. So I – got to tell you last night seeing the Kansas finally did something triumph it was very very refreshing oh yeah that was awesome oh my I, god I would have I, I would have never expected I mean we drove all the way through Kansas and we saw the vote yes vote yes everywhere so I don't know who did this I don't mm -hmm. know how it happened I kind of do and don't but it was very nice to see that Yes, and women Thanks. are really going to make a big difference with men by our side this year. It's going to be really big, and I think maybe decentralized is the way to go, but it's going to happen across the whole country and give us some hope, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So and we need that. For any, yeah, we do. Learn more about each of you respectively, your work, and this film. Where should they go, and how can they get that? So to find out more about the movie, uh, go to RuthWiseFilm.com. You can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, uh, RuthWise the Beat Goddess. Um, me personally, uh, you could search, see my website and see my cinematography at MCMFilmmaker.com, or you could just search my name and my website will come out, and you could check out my other film, California's Forgotten Children. That's about... Um, child trafficking in California and the United States. Um, and then Elizabeth? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much, my resume background is on LinkedIn. I've been a senior advisor for internationalizing Chinese public school systems for the past 10 years, and then COVID happened. Um, and uh, I've been working in community development before that for a long time, community economic development in Chicago and San Francisco, Tenderloin uh, community. And my, um, uh, I have a company called 
Interlangua, and that's my sort of entrepreneurial side, interlangua.com. And we've been on internet teaching um, a lot of different, we've been teaching language training, Spanish from Guatemala to people to the desktop. And also, we also have uh, a big push around the world in using the great books, shared inquiry methodology of critical thinking and teaching that to teachers who will then bring that into the classroom. Thank you very much, Melody Elizabeth. I appreciate your time. Good luck with everything. It looks thank fantastic. you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to share our story. We really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Infinity.